Welcome to the Agent of Wealth podcast with Mark Boudis from Boudis Financial. In this podcast, Mark helps guide you towards financial freedom, ensure you never run out of money, and create a balance in life that prioritizes what is most important to you. Join us for this journey as Mark draws from years of expertise and guest experts to solve the multiple wealth building challenges involved in your financial life. Welcome back to the Agent of Wealth. This is your host, Mark Bowdis. On today's show, I'm joined by John Williams, a fellow wealth advisor at Bowdis Financial. Today, we're going to talk about uh, estate planning and specifically how to prepare for that first uh, estate planning meeting. I think what happens a lot of times, you know, people want to create an estate plan, but they get stuck on taking that first step. It's obviously a conversation about death, which is I don't think anyone wants to, to talk about. Um, they may know they have to make a specific decision within their estate plan, and they can't really decide on it, whether it's themselves or a combination of a decision between them and their spouse. Picking a guardian is an example of this for your minor children, if you have them. And then what we're going to talk about today, I think another reason that people don't do it is they don't know what to expect from the process. You know, they may be meeting with an attorney. They're not sure what they need to do to prepare for it. They're not sure what questions they're going to be asked. So I think we really want to just help people understand what to expect from that process of creating your estate plan. It's not that you have to go into your estate planning meeting having answers to everything that we're going to talk about. We're just going to try and help you get comfortable with the process, you know, help you maybe think about some of these things. But like I said, it's, it's not something that you have to have a finite decision for. Sure. And you also, in some cases, you're going to be working with a lawyer too. Different lawyers are going to charge differently for this process. Sometimes you don't want to be spending as, as little time as possible with the lawyer. So if you have some of these things premeditated and, and thought about beforehand, it'll make the process a lot easier. Yeah, it brings up a good point, right? Sometimes, you know, you go through an attorney, the attorney's either going to charge you a fixed fee to do your estate plan, or they may charge billable hours. And having some of this stuff thought out beforehand may help you reduce uh, some of those billable hours. Um, but then also the third thing that we're going to talk about and what's becoming more and more popular are these services that you can use, uh, you know, one that we've partnered with my advocate on how to create your estate plan without specifically uh, utilizing an attorney. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. The conversation we're going to have, it's its really relative whether it's your first time creating your estate plan or you may have gone through changes or you may want to update it. The preparation that you do, it can really make the process go a lot smoother. The first thing you want to think about is just, you know, what do you want to achieve with your estate plan? For most people, they, they, those things are very basic. But the other thing that people will really get out of this is, is there's some things that I know that people have just never thought about. Like, I think it's obvious what a will is. At a high level, you're, you know you want to make sure that you're getting your, your assets onto the, to the people that you'd like after you pass. But there's a lot of layers here, and I think that there's going to be a lot of things that maybe people haven't considered or had a chance to talk about, which makes it even more important. Yeah, the, one of those things some people may want to accomplish, right? There's obviously who gets their assets or how do they pass on their assets, but also taxes are on everyone's mind for all different reasons. One of them is how do I minimize estate taxes or am I going to be subject to estate taxes? So that can be a goal going into it. You may want to protect assets from creditors or specific people. You may want to give money to a charity. So there's all different kinds of goals that people can have. Once you kind of think about those, one of the things that probably makes sense to do in terms of prep work is just have an understanding or even list out your different assets and liabilities and how they're titled or how they're owned. That does become relevant in estate planning. 
you know, anyone that you work with or any service that you use is going to want to see how your assets are titled. And some may be needed to be updated. Um, you may need to update beneficiaries on some of them. And that can include really anything like real estate, investments, bank accounts, 401ks, retirement accounts, IRAs, if you have a life insurance policy. And then similarly on the debt side, who's responsible for your mortgage or any other loans that you have. So I'd say that's like a good second step is just to get an understanding of, you know, your different assets and liabilities. This is something that we do for people, whether they're estate planning or not, just having an understanding, putting that balance sheet or that net worth statement is um, you know, definitely a good thing to do. Yeah, that in and of itself, just double checking to make sure you have your beneficiaries set up. Just using an example of bank account, you know, your checking account, your savings account at your local bank or, your, or whoever you bank with. Uh, I think it's, it's sometimes understood that the transfer on death is actually set up. But in a lot of cases, you actually have to check to make sure that those things are set up. So for most people, 90% of this whole process is actually making sure those beneficiaries are set up properly, making things easier for the executor, which we'll get into. Yeah. And for some people, it may be simple. They may just say, I want all of my assets to go to this one beneficiary or but it may be more complex than that. They may want to give some to a charity or different things to different people. And that's one of the things you may want to think about before that meeting. The other player in this is the executor. Um, and really, the executor is the person who will, once you do pass away, it's the one who's going to manage your finances, be responsible for carrying out your wishes. You know, a lot of people think, well, I'm just going to name my oldest child as the executor, or I'm going to name my brother or my sister, and that's all fine, but you just want to make sure that you're selecting someone who's responsible, honest, and that can handle the duties. We recorded a podcast, uh, I think it was episode number 60, with Anthony Park, who's a professional executor, and some people might want to go down that route where if you're really hiring an outside party to manage the whole process. And as you can probably manage it, they are very skilled at this. Of course, it costs money to do, but this is solely what their what their job is, to manage the estate. Yeah, and it's a big responsibility, especially you, t- you throw on top of that that they're, they're probably somebody who's close to the person who's passed away. So there's a lot of stress involved and you know there could be multiple siblings and there's just a lot of moving parts. So it's definitely somebody you want to give a lot of thought to. And not, not just that person, but also consider that this is, is a document that could be in place for a really long time. So you will need to think about who might be a backup for that person as well. Um, it might not seem relevant right now, especially if you're young or if that person is young, but it's certainly something that you want to put into place and, and consider. And a lot of the things we're going to talk about today are actually going to have an alternate, which we'll point out here. Yeah, and I think that's that's a good point about an alternate. Making these decisions sometimes on beneficiaries, on executors, and then we'll talk a little bit about if someone has minor children and picking a guardian. I think that's where people get stuck a lot because... They may want, you know, their brother and their spouse may want their brother or their sister as the guardian. What I always tell people is there's never going to be a perfect decision. Just make whatever's the best decision right now. You always have the chance where you can update your estate plan. And if you pick a guardian today or you pick an executor today and down the road, you think there may be a better one, a better choice for that. You can always change it. Nothing is set in stone to the point where you this you're locked into this decision I think that's you know one thing that people do get stuck on, and if they kind of take that approach of just pick the best person for right now, uh, it, it'll go a long way. Yeah, and really you need to consider your situation and the alternative, which is procrastinating, not having a will, not naming a guardian, and then power is completely lost and the state makes that decision. Now, a lot of times, you know, if there's a living parent still around, they will look at next of kin, but it's better to have some sort of thought, you know, beyond the grave to make sure that, like you said, you're putting um, your kids in, in the right hands. Yeah, that's something I tell people. If you don't have a, 
an estate plan, the state has one for you. They they have, you know, what dictates it. Like you said, they may take some things into consideration and, you know, make some decisions, but it's basically you lose control on what happens. And that's the whole purpose of, of this estate plan is you want your wishes executed. So one of the questions we get, and that's whether someone's going into an estate planning meeting or even just meeting with us for financial planning is, well, what documents do I need to bring? Or, you know, how should I prepare? What, what should I bring with me? And, you know, we always tell people, if you have things readily available, especially on the estate planning side, if, if you're meeting with an attorney, you want to get them a copy of that will or that trust that you have, bring things that you have, but don't let this be something that stops you from moving forward. Because a lot of times people say, well, I have this, I have to look this up, I have to get you know this info here. The more important thing is that you take that step moving forward rather than trying to have every single document that you know is going to be related to, to putting your estate plan together. So bring it if you have it. If you don't, still move forward and have that meeting. And then some people do find the, the whole process intimidating. The legal world can get complex. It can get difficult to understand. So you're, you know, the person going through it, ask questions under, you know, you want to understand what, you know, if I make this decision, what's the ramification of it? Or is there any tax ramifications if we go, if we go this way? So don't hesitate to ask questions throughout the process. All right. So let's say someone is in that first meeting or, you know, they're using a service. What are some of the questions that they're going to be asked or some of the decisions that they're going to have to make going through that process? Well, you already obviously mentioned the one, the executor, backup executor. There's the guardian, which is a really big decision, obviously, backup guardian. Really quick on that. If you are married, the big consideration in most cases there is just the backup guardian, because as you're drafting these documents, um, you most likely, and, and it's not always the case, you might want the, the guardian of your child to be the surviving spouse. And then the backup will be that person you'd like, if God forbid something happened to both of you at the same time, or just like throughout the, the life of the document. And then some of the things that you want to consider are your 401ks, like the real the larger assets, you know, your home, some of these things you want to take inventory of. But I, I think you also want to take a deeper dive into that and, and just look around your house if there's any other bigger items like jewelry or anything you might want to pass along to anybody. Like for me, it would be like I have a couple guitars. I might identify somebody who's like, oh, I think that this nephew might really enjoy that. You can put those things in, in your will and say, hey, I'd like my nephew to get these guitars. Or just you can be very specific with certain things. So, you know, I think it's a, it's a nice time to kind of look around your house or just consider some of the things you do. Consider those people in your life. Do you want to leave some assets to some grandchildren or children from a prior relationship? Um, but you can can get very specific as to all of your assets to flow through to those around you, whether it be charitable organizations, organizations, family members, friends. Um, so, you know, take a moment to just think about some of these things. Yeah. And, and I think one of the other things, too, is your children. So you may have minor children. You may have children that may, in some states, the age of majority is 18, some it's 21. And if you leave assets to, the, to them and they're 18 or they're 21, they can actually acquire those assets. If they're minors, it's a little bit different. But you may not think that your 18-year-old can handle, you know, receiving a large sum of of money when they're 18 years old. And you may want to put in some specifications that says this is how they're to uh, inherit this money. It may be, you know, it, that it's used for education or it's used for this or they it's inherited in stages over a certain period of time. You can really get as customized as you want in terms of how the asset gets passed on. Yeah. And even age is not always a part of it, right? Like you could have a 30 year old son who you just don't think is going to be responsible enough, but there's just a lot of considerations to think is like, okay, just try to put yourself in the shoes of you, of you dying. I know it's not the most 
fun thing to think about, but you want to say, all right, there's this large lump of money. Where is it going? Who's going to have it? Do you want to have some control over, you know, what might happen just because of the way things are right now? And there are ways to get to have a little bit of control beyond the grave. One of the other considerations is, do you own a business? The reason why that's important is, you know, not to go in too much of the details as to how this could set up, but just to give you an example, if, if you, let's say you have this business and business is in a position where like you really can't have any delays as far as like the work that's going on, the way that your estate plan is structured may speak to setting it up in a certain way may help with the expediency of making sure someone could have control of that business very quickly. That's a consideration you want to you want to definitely bring to the table. Um, if you had a business and you're really worried, it's like okay, look, if I died, I'm the one who really runs everything. I'm the one who actually is taking care of the day to day. You know, I want to make sure that things get taken care of quickly in the way that I'd like. So definitely bring you know think about that and give that some thought as to how you know that succession plan, what that succession plan would look like. And then also like it's a, a very, very similar, but like with real estate, it gets tricky because real estate has obviously in some cases very large value, but takes time to sell those assets or, you know, there's a lot that goes into, let's say maybe you're renting some, a large amount of properties. That's not something you want to delay on, something you want to move through pretty quickly as well. You know, obviously you have your real assets, like your financial assets, but like think about some of the, those other assets and obviously bring those up and, and consider those. Yeah, you, you bring up a good point on the business. A lot of times what will happen is the spouse will inherit basically all assets from the husband, which could include a business. Now, all of a sudden the person passes away. Their spouse is now the one who owns this business, is responsible for this business, but may not have anything to do with it, want to anything to do with it, or is able to run it. And obviously, it depends on if you're a sole owner, if you have a partnership, but there's different succession strategies that are out there where you can really put something together where the continuity of the business is, is kept alive. Yeah. Well, again, there, there's, a, there's a lot of layers when it comes to business because like this could be a whole nother podcast, which is like setting up your business in the proper way. And that's a whole nother layer. But like, of course, yeah, like the asset itself has a lot of value. And, and in some cases, you could be getting a lot, most of your income from that asset. So you obviously want to protect it as much as possible. One of the things that a lot of people in this day and age is obviously becoming even more relevant. You know, it's funny. When I grew up, we had this boxes and boxes of photos. Today, I look around, I don't have that many photos anymore. Most things are digitized, whether it's you know, some of these important documents, pictures that are just really important to you that you would want somebody to have. So you know, think, consider everything and those, those, even those assets that are um, digitized and, and access to social media and, and those things. If you'd like to give your executor or the agents that you assign to yourself as a power attorney or um, an executor that you think about whether, whether you'd want to give them access, full access to, to everything ultimately. And then once you pull all this together, I would just take a second to understand if there's anything at all that, you know, maybe we didn't even cover that would make sense for you to want to avoid probate. In most cases, you would want to. And actually, let me take a quick step back. Probate is not something we talk about today. And, and, and again, I wasn't planning on getting into the details as to like what, what it is. But ultimately, it is the state's way of facilitating this process of somebody who dies passing their everything they own on to their heirs. And there's two ways that's going to happen. And even if you have a will, you have to pass through probate. They'll either, um, in, in that instance, they will sign off on it and say the executor can do whatever they want. Go ahead, do your thing. And that's very, very quick. If there isn't um, an executor or a will involved, then you know there's this much longer, more costly process 
of them gathering the assets and it just slows things down. So, and the reason why I, I give you a little bit of detail around that is, is like, you want to think about, okay, if I die, is there anything in my life that's going to get greatly disrupted because things just slow down? And that also goes hand in hand to the, to the next point I wanted to make is your uh, durable power of attorney. Most people, when they think of estate planning, there's three main documents you're going to put together. The first is the will, of course, and then there's the power of attorney. The power of attorney ultimately is somebody that you want to assign, ultimately act as your agent or act as you if you can't with your personal dealings. In most cases, if you have a spouse, they would be your agent if you were incapacitated, but you would also have a backup, an alternate agent as well. So like maybe it's a sister, a brother, somebody who... If you couldn't take care of some of these really, really important things, whether, you know, let's say you got into a really bad car accident and somebody needed to access one of your bank accounts, they could, they could act as you in that instance. The second part of this is you want to consider whether or not you want this person to actually have access to your personal dealings all the time or only have access if they prove that you're incapacitated. The reason why this is important is is speed. So let's say, for instance, if something happens to somebody and they are incapacitated, you then have to go to a judge, put that before a judge. They have to then assign you as the power of attorney. Where if you find somebody who you really trust, and like in most cases you can trust your spouse, but like maybe that even that let's say that backup agent you don't necessarily you don't have somebody in your life, or let's say you do have somebody that you really really trust, you can assign them as you basically they're able to do everything you're you're able to do. And that there is power in that. Uh, I think that, you know, let's say you're stuck in a different country and you needed some, some really important documents or, you know, there's just these instances where you're not incapacitated that does have power. But with that said, the disadvantage is you are giving up a lot of power to this person. So there'd better be a lot of trust involved. So I think the, the, the key takeaway is you want to make sure that you're giving a lot of thought to who these people are and how you would want to give them access to being your, your agent. Yeah, one example where the importance of this is highlighted is we saw someone who everything financial was listed in the husband's name. He had a medical event, was incapacitated, and the spouse thought, oh, I'm the spouse. I can go and I can withdraw money. I can do that. But these financial institutions, they won't take instruction if you're not on the account without a power of attorney. So they had to do exactly what you said, go before a judge to get actual power of attorney on these. But power of attorney can be one of those things that can aid in, you know, being able to do any financial affairs or anything with your financial affairs that you might need to do if someone does become incapacitated. It's one of those things where it's not something that's probably going to be needed that often, but when it is needed, it's really, really important to have. Yeah. And the healthcare directive, which is the third document that is typically what we recommend or what would be recommended in, in that document is very much like the power of attorney. You would assign the agent, again, in most cases, the spouse. If not, you know, you'd, you'd have somebody, obviously, that you trust and then, you know, an alternative and that person is going to be able to, to make medical decisions on your behalf in the same way, like if, if you're not able to do it yourself. And then that obviously comes with some conversations and some ideas, like if you had specific quests that you'd want if you were incapacitated. But there are also, you know, you're there in the hospital and, and that person's incapacitated. Somebody has to be there advocating for that person and, and then you want to make sure that you put those people in place. Those are the main documents. And you, one of the things we didn't talk about is like specifically a trust and like some of these, the questions you're going to go through and you may, I know the reason I bring it up is because a lot of, one of the biggest questions we get from clients is like, do I need a trust? The answer is always, it depends. A lot of the things that we asked you to discuss today can then be taken to the table and, and help you understand 
um, you know, what you're going to need to consider when adding that to the group of documents you're going to be putting together that will eventually be your estate plan. Um, when it comes to some of these things that you're going to want to happen, using an example of uh, burial wishes, these are some of the things you can actually are basically addendums to these documents. So you may or may not be sure of like what your burial wishes might be. You can actually add those after the fact. They don't actually have to be part of the signed document in most cases, but you want to bring those up if you have those special requests um, so they can be drafted into the document if needed. And then also with the business. So like putting down some notes as to like not necessarily who is going to take over the business, but are, do you have like a book of the things like, hey, look, if, if I wasn't here, the, this is the playbook. Start to think once you have all these people and everything in the place, if there's any important details, make a list of them and pull them together and, and bring them to whoever you're drafting these documents with. Okay. Yeah. I think that pretty much covers it. Like we mentioned earlier, the whole purpose of this is not to have everything decided before you even have that estate planning meeting. It's just to give you kind of a feel for what's going to be discussed, what decisions you're going to have to make, and you know maybe you can start thinking about them even prior to it. So that's it for today. John, thanks for joining me. And thank you, everyone, who tuned in today. Don't forget to follow the Agent of Wealth on the platform you listen from and leave us a review of the show. We're currently accepting new clients, and if you'd like to schedule a one-on-one consultation with our advisors, please do so at boutisfinancial.com backslash call. Thank you for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Boutis Financial. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial planning and investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investments and financial planning.